Let's do that hockey. Welcome to Dauber Prospects Report. This is report number 39. I'm Victor Nuno, one of the co-hosts here. And with me is Pete Harling. How you doing, Pete? Hey, Victor. Ah, rough day today. Rough day. Back to work from the holidays and Canada lost the World Juniors. They're not even going to play in a, in a medal game. So, you know, I'm a little bit down on my luck. Wah, wah. Yeah, that was a, it was <laughs> a, bit, a bit surprising of a result. But, you know, I think that the expectations were maybe a little bit lower for the team in general this year, but still, still always a bit high in terms of what people thought about Canada. But yeah, sorry, buddy. Sorry. Sorry. The, the watching of the home team is, is over for now. Yeah. Well, if we won every year, you know, it wouldn't be as fun. <laughs> and, and there was a lot of criticism about some of the selections team Canada made on their roster this year, specifically with the exclusions <clears throat> guys like Yager Ferkus not making the cut. So now everyone gets to say, I told you so. Right, because I'm sure one player would have made would have made all the difference. Right, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it was. I thought they they played pretty well. I will talk about some of the Canada guys, but yeah, there were some surprising results. We're recording this after the quarterfinals, so this won't include semifinals or final. But it figured it's a good opportunity to talk about some of the players. So before we do that, we want to remind you that Dauber Prospects Report is a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. We're excited to be part of the fantastic army of hockey podcast check out at hockey Podnet for all the shows like this one talking hockey from fantasy to team coverage to you name it and use the promo code the DraftKings promo code thpn for listening to the show and more on that a little bit later and we are also sponsored by fantrax the ultimate league manager for any dynasty sport you play completely customizable for however you want to set up your league from scoring categories to an amazing draft room draft pick trading and a treasure option plus more Use the promo code to sign up for the a free link using fantrax.com forward slash DPR show. So with that, let's get into a little bit of the discussion. Did you have something you want to start with, Pete? Or I have a couple things I wanted to mention too. I'll defer to you. Yeah, so there's there's been some really interesting storylines, I think. And in case anyone, I mean, I'm assuming if you listen to this show, you are enthralled and, and interested and, and completely you know, watching, but perhaps you're not. And and if you're not, it's okay. There was a bit of a, some surprising results, I would say today in the quarterfinals. I think Slovakia being a, a really, you know, good team, they ended up getting shocked by Finland who lost to Germany in this tournament. I mean, Finland never understand what happens with the Finns, but that was a pretty crazy overtime goal. And then Canada lost to Czechia on a Luki goal at the end, although they were losing 2-0, came back and tied it, but not the strongest showing from Canada. And then Sw- Sweden almost lost to Switzerland. That was really close uh, at the end there, but ended up winning in overtime. U.S., I think the only kind of predictable result, beating Lavia pretty handily. But in terms of some of the unexpected things I thought was interesting, Pete, and and there's, uh, looking at the tracking data from Mitch Brown, there's some some interesting outliers here, I would say, in the expected primary assists and goal categories. One of the ones I don't think is too surprising, Frank Nazar is like alone on an island in terms of expected <laughs> primary assists. He's been he was phenomenal in this tournament. I think he was he was really great. But one one of the guys that I think is interesting for Team Canada that I think is getting a lot of flack is Jordan Dumay. Jordan Dumay, you know, tearing up the queue, not didn't didn't do too well, I guess you could say, in this tournament in, in terms of 
not actually producing on the scoreboard. But in terms of his, he, he's literally second and and far above the uh, the rest of the field, far above Celebrini, Perot, Nagarud, in terms of the expected primary assists. So expected doesn't always translate into actual goals, as we know. But, you know, he only had two points in the five games, one assist, one goal. But what do you think about that? Jordan Dumay being one of the highest expected assist contributors, two per game, and it, it didn't it didn't quite work out that way. No, he kind of struggled a little bit at times, I thought, in the tournament. And you know, he's hard to find in some games is maybe is another way to better way to say that, that he struggled. Um, I don't, I'm not sure that I would say he played poorly or that he was a liability necessarily. But I mean, dude, you're there to score goals and at a point of game pace. And he didn't. Yeah, he didn't come through with that. So little little disappointing overall. Yeah, definitely someone that Canada was leaning a little bit heavier on one of the guys that that i think is also interesting from this this graph there's a couple guys one czechia forward edward charlet we mentioned him already but he was one of the top expected primary assists and then on the other side of the graph where you look at expected primary goals rucker mcgordy way out ahead i don't think that's surprising anyone who watched the game snuggerud leonard also there isaac howard but there are a couple other interesting names yanni newman n-y-m-a-n finnish forward is one of the top forwards in terms of expected primary goals or expected goals. And he, he did have a, you know, pretty, he only had one goal, but four points in five games. That's, that's not too bad. And then Tommy Manisto, Manisto undrafted three points, three goals in five games and had one of the highest expected goal values. So that's pretty interesting. Uh, Newman, by the way, is a Seattle prospect. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how much of the Finland games you, you caught, but those two names are kind of interesting to me as one undrafted and one recently drafted player who seemed to perform really well for, for Finland. And just to finish up, Manisto, M-A-N-N-I-S-T-O, is a, about to be 20-year-old undrafted. So maybe he'll get his name called as an overager. Yeah, I think Yanni Newman's really impressed me. I didn't really have that deep of a file on him or that much fantasy interest in him other than he's a seattle prospect and i like what seattle's doing with their development but he was really impressive i like the way he controlled the play and i found that the the more important the game was the more i noticed yanni newman right and and he keep and key points and clutch situations he really rose to the occasion and that, that's really that's really translatable at higher levels i think that's that's one of the things that scouts are looking for with this tournament specifically is okay so there's it's one thing to be good with your club team in league play but this is like a playoff sort of pressure there's a lot of sold out games there's a lot of like the world is watching so there's a lot of people watching there's a lot of pressure on these players for a lot of them this is going to be the pinnacle of their career so you know, this is this is a big deal tournament and how they how they handle that pressure matters a lot. And Yanni Newman looked really like he could handle it. No problem. It, he fed off it. And you like to see that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he he had one of the higher game scores, you know, total impact on the game. And yeah, I mean, I, I was sort of I watched that Finland Germany game sort of in yeah. disbelief because, you know, Finland even though they're a smaller country, they always tend to do really well, play together as a team. And they just, they just seem kind of disorganized. And then, 
And then the and then against Slovakia, who was you know a pretty strong team, they just completely seemed to flip the switch. And and yeah, their their best players showed up when it really mattered, and that was that was good to see. So yeah, definitely interested in that. I think Chalet will come up again later. But one of the other guys that I think is worth mentioning is one of the things that um, that Mitch tracked is how much a player gets inside. You know, inside drive is something we talk a lot about and players who play more on the periphery, you know, can succeed at lower levels, but maybe have the difficulty translating that to, uh, you know, the NHL or, or difficult, you know, more, more robust leagues and, and harder to play against. And the player who had the most inside play of anyone that he tracked is actually Philip Mayshar who is a Slovakian forward. Unfortunately, his tournament is done. They they lost to the Finns. He was the 26th overall pick by Montreal in 2022. And he, he had himself a tournament, though. You can't say, you know, he didn't do his job. He had nine points in five games for Slovakia. And he's been playing out by you in the OHL for the Kitchener Rangers. I don't know if you had a chance to see much of Meshar, but that, that kind of is impressive to me as someone who, who did so well in this small sample size, beating out some other pretty, you know, high profile forwards. And maybe there's more upside here than we initially thought about Philip Mayshar. What do you think, Pete? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think the, we've talked about him on previous shows before. And the thing with him is, has always been, he's a little bit undersized and a little bit of a soft player. And that's why I think he's been returned from the NHL back to junior or from the AHL back to junior two years in a row in, in, pretty short order right with Montreal and he could compete well against younger smaller players in the OHL so so this performance in this tournament and this stat in particular really bucks that that trend right like that that shows you that maybe that's not such a a concern as as once thought it's a small sample size granted but it's like I said before it's a big deal tournament and you know he 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 rose to the occasion. There's no question about it. He kind of carried that team on his back as far as he could, which was a pretty good showing. So, you know, he was a player that I think I didn't really have a lot of fantasy interest in. And, you know, while his profile is high, I would, if I owned him or inherited a team that had him on it, I would, I'd make him available in trade and I'd try and sell on him while his value is is high before people start to come to the conclusion that he's not going to make it. But this tournament and this stat is kind of would make me pump the brakes on that strategy a little bit. What do you think? No, I think I agree with you. This does raise his profile, but it's probably more of like raising it from a third or fourth liner to a second or third liner. And yeah, middle six is still probably where I see him. But yeah, this, I think it's a really important stat, especially as you pointed out for a smaller player, you know, it's sometimes easier for those bigger players to get inside, but the smaller players you really want to see get inside. And that is something that, that did impress me too. There's a couple other smaller players on here. Easton Cowan, not the biggest dude getting inside pretty well. You like to see that there's, you know, Matthew Savoy getting some inside play, Frank Nazar. That's always been a feature of his game is getting inside. But the other guy I wanted to highlight is Felix Ungersorum. And we've talked about him a little bit. I know I talked about him on Fantasy Hockey Life, but literally one day away from being eligible for this, for the 2024 draft, he was, he's like as young as you can be for the 2023 draft. And of course, Carolina took him and and we know that Carolina drafts well. They've had a, a track record of strong success. So 
when they took him, I was even more interested and, and more, you know, paying attention. Played seven games in the SHL last year with zero points, which a lot of people focused on. But this year, up to six points in 17 games. Sweden is going into the semifinals and he has six points in five games while not playing a, a super prominent role either. So, and again, back to this stat, a smaller guy, second in terms of getting inside, um, second behind or tied with Ryan Leonard and behind Philip Meshar, ahead of a lot of other really high profile forwards like Matthew Poitra, Philip Bistet, you know, Frank Nazar, all those guys higher than that. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on Philip's Felix Unger Storm. Not not particularly. Again, it's a player whose performance in the tournament was 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 good and it was nice to see that. I didn't catch enough of him. I didn't get to watch as many games as I wanted to. So yeah, I'll just kind of defer to you on on Sorum. Well, what's the fuss? Felix Unger Storm. The fuss is he's good. That's what you should take out of this. Right. So the the next interesting graph that I that I like, and this this is really just defensive zone and defensive zone retrievals and breakouts. And this what I love about this graph is it shows both how frequently someone was targeted and how well they did with that target. And some of the names that you would expect on here are good. Denton Matechuk was excellent and in all situations, dry, escaping the rush and getting pucks inside. But there's some other names in here that I think are kind of surprising. One one name in a bad way is Lane Hudson was not good here. He was he was very close to average, if not bad in this area. So that's that's another, you know, question mark there for for Hudson. Small sample size. Matias Havilid was decent. But the na a name we talked about already, and I think we should just mention him again. But Rodwin Dionicio, it's actually Dionicio, at least according to what I heard on the broadcast today. But Rodwin Dionisio, Switzerland's defenseman, just incredible. I mean, the only drafted player on this whole team, and there were some good performances from some other players that will probably get drafted this year, but he was awesome. And he is literally breaking this chart. He was excellent in every aspect of this. He wasn't targeted as much as Matejchuk or maybe some of the other top defensemen, but it was pretty high and he thrived. I think people learned and just went to the other defensemen after that. Yeah. So, and oh, and Evan, our producer just mentioned that he he rosters him. So good job, Evan. Yeah, Dean Ishio, he, he had a really strong tournament, right? He he was by far and away their their best player on a on a game by game basis and the leader on that team. So, you know, I'm I'm not sure how deep your leagues are, but you have to be a pretty deep league for, for him to be rostered on like our listener league kind of deep. Uh for him to be relevant for your fantasy team, but I'm saying there's a chance. There's a chance. And and he, I mean, he looks really good, especially for, I think it was a fifth round pick by Anaheim. Anytime Anaheim takes any defenseman, you should probably just roster him because he's going to end up working out more likely than not. Um, so, and I, wa and I watched the game really closely today against Sweden and they were just completely outmatched in many ways. But Dionisio, as a defenseman carrying a heavy defensive load was like dangling guys and walking through two and three players and almost almost willing this very undermanned team into the semifinals. It was pretty incredible to watch. And it's impressive to do that when you don't have to like worry so much about your own end. Like, you know, maybe Lane Hudson can do because he's got guys backing him up. But Dionisio did not have the backup, did not have anyone yeah. else to kind of help with that so that that was really impressive to me 
The other guy that I think is that that is probably worth mentioning is the Finnish defenseman, Jesse Polkinen. And he was also almost as good. I mean, he's kind of right there with Denton Matejchuk in terms of how well he did in terms of targets and all that. We should mention Dionizio ended up with four points in five games. Polkinen, two points in the five games so far. They're going on to the semis. But he's he's a draft eligible for 2024. He is already 19 so he's going to be an overager but he's 6'6 216 pounds really mobile probably should have been drafted i don't know that he has like a ton of offense and you know he he's been playing for yip jyp in the liga two points in five games mainly playing in the u20 league and dominating so maybe there's some untapped offense there but i think the key is that jesse pulkinen looks like he's he has nhl mobility escapability and ability to to play against the best competition so you know just if, if it's worth getting nhl games even if they don't put up a ton of points then Pulkinen might be someone of interest probably not to pete because as uh, evan says pete hates d but i don't so the the next one i want to talk about is rush zone rush offense versus end zone offense and what i think is interesting about this chart is that there's a couple guys here that i thought would be really good at one thing and they're kind of it's 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 not what i expected there's some guys that are good at both like rucker mcgordy was just awesome at at both things there's some canadian forwards there that were they were good as well jimmy snuggerud yanni neiman newman those guys were all pretty good frank nazar i think of as more of a in zone creative player but he was really good off the rush and so was isaac howard who isn't always known as the fleetest of foot so that, that was kind of interesting and i think the most interesting name to me on this list is oliver moore who was known as the speedster, right? Like one of the fastest, best skaters in the draft. I would expect him to have the most expected primary points from the rush, but it was indeed from the end zone play, which I think is really good for him because that I think was a bit of his struggle is he would race into the zone and sometimes not always have a plan of what to do next. So either that's showing some end zone awareness development or knowing how to modulate his speed better, or maybe it's just a small sample size noise and it doesn't mean anything. But I found that kind of interesting for Oliver Moore. Pete, what do you what do you think about this graph or any of the players I mentioned? Yeah, that's there's two interesting players there, Nazar and and Moore. They're they're you'd think that they would be reversed. You're right, but I mean, if you watch the games, you see Nazar. He was dynamite on odd man rushes. The way he was able to get the pass across and feathering it over sticks and stuff and between guys' legs and and given and not only that, not getting not only getting it through traffic, but putting it on the wheelhouse, like right on the shoot button for the, the recipient of the pass where they didn't have to, you know, contort themselves or, or reach or anything. It was right where they wanted it. And so it was a quick and easy release right off the pass or a catch and release easy peasy. Um, Frank Nazar really, really stood out for me in this tournament. I liked him a lot. Oliver Moore, you know, that line of Oliver Moore, Snuggerud, and and leonard no it's leonard what's the the bc line leonard leonard pro and it's not more <laughs> leonard pro and will smith smith that's what it is you know what's interesting about about that line it's it's not really on this chart but i i find it very interesting is i think the way that they are drafted isn't necessarily the hierarchy that I value them them in or the way I project them that they're going to to move forward in their careers. I kind of like Ryan Leonard at number one still, but I think Perot is has passed 
Will Smith a little bit there. He had a really nice tournament for is having a nice tournament for USA. They're still going. What do you think about that line? How, you've got I noticed your fantasy hockey life draft. Yeah, I think you picked all three of those guys. Hey, you must be winning that league, by the way. I'm not actually. Really? Uh, I know. Amazingly. Well, yeah, it's I'm doing like I have 43 points. Jesse has 42 and Ryan has 48. Ryan picked Gauthier, Snuggerud. That helped a lot. And Zeev Booyam and Hugo Havlid, who's gotten him a lot of points. Yeah. So amazingly, I know I would have thought I've been doing better too. But August Augustine, my goalie in that draft, for some mm. reason, you know, he got sick and hasn't been playing as much. So that didn't help. But yeah, I have Smith, Perot, and Leonard, and they're all doing well. But the rest, yeah. Then Denda Matejcik did okay. I mean, doing all right. I still, I, I still like my chances because I have those four: yeah. Smith, Perot, Leonard, and Hudson going in, and Augustine going into the final two games. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, I, I do agree. I know uh, Cam Robinson, our buddy, actually put a put a tweet out um, about how how uh, you know basically yeah, yeah that order should have should have probably been Leonard, Perot, uh-huh. Smith. Yeah, and and I and I agree with that. I remember at the time saying I still I still thought and I still believe that Smith probably has the highest upside, but I don't think that upside is as for sure. And I think that Leonard is the guy I would take any day first on an NHL team because and you can yeah. see in some of these underlying stats, he just he does everything. I mean, he gets his his nose dirty, he fights for pucks. He's responsible two ways. He's he's also very creative. Um, but I think, yeah, Perot, the coming out party for Perot was not if 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 the BC track record didn't do it already, this tournament really has because he's been awesome. And well, you know what really tuned me into that was when we had James on our episode talking college hockey. He kind of alluded to that that Perot was the play driver on that line. And that, you know, kind of raised my eyebrow. I was like, really? Because you know, he had really great stats for the for his draft year with the ntdb and then when you know when james says he's, he's not just a passenger on that line he's he's got two hands on the wheel he's driving that line i was like okay well let's watch for that and sure enough he was right you know i he's not a passenger i don't know if i would say he's got two hands on the wheel and, and driving and i think they're it's a solid solid line with great chemistry but i think he'll be just fine on his own when when they all graduate and split up I agree. I think the one that'll be most fine is Leonard and then Perot and then mm-hmm. Smith. I think Smith needs the most help. And I think people might might have thought about that differently. But when you watch Smith, he has some creative playmaking, but I think his skill set is really a finisher. He's got great hands in tight. He can he can beat the goalie in many ways. But I think Smith really does need someone to help him a lot. And I think Perot is a, does a lot of that setup and a lot of that you know, good movement. And Leonard, you know, digs pucks out of corners, out of scrums. Smith isn't going to do that. That's not his, that's not his game. So yeah, it's, it has been interesting watching, watching those three. And I, st- we, st- we want, I want to see them apart. <laughs> they continue to yeah. play together and it's yeah. frustrating. Two up, two other names on this chart while we're still on it, the end zone versus the off the rush, the names that really kind of jumped out at me watching this tournament. We, Yanni Newman, we talked about him. He is at the very top of the list for for the end zone. And then Yuri Coolidge is very high on the other on the other axis there with the rush expected primary points. And I thought Coolidge would be a lot higher on on both. Wouldn't you think like is he was he's 
just got a deadly shot. And Czechia was was using him on the power play as the trigger man, right? So I'm a little are you a little surprised to see Kulich where he is on this chart? Yeah, I would expect to see Kulik closer to like McGordy, Snuggerud, Leonard, kind of in that top right corner, which is good at both. Right. You know, rush and end zone. And he's he's kind of below the the average line for end right. zone. I, that that's definitely a bit surprising to me. But also I think the way that they Czechia has used him has been more of like an all-around player. And what I what I saw in the games that I watched is that he was a big part of getting in the zone. So he would get them in the zone. If if he didn't have a rush chance and then and then other people would help like create end zone and he was more of the trigger man when when once they got an opportunity. So, you know, not not as opposed to someone like Nazar, who in zone was just making these deadly cross seam passes, you know, across the defense. So that was. That was a bit different, I guess, but yeah, it's still surprising because I think he's he's an incredible player and I would have expected him to be one of the best in, in both. Mm, yeah i have a chart on here just about defensive impact and just to mention just what i think is interesting about this is for one thing the american defenseman because sam renzel was the top if you just look at what this chart is looking at is entry retrievals and defensive coursey against so i don't think many people would have picked sam renzel as the best american defenseman in terms of all-around defense maybe people would have thought ryan chesley uh, people probably wouldn't have picked Lane Hudson, and he is indeed uh, one of the worst in terms of that. Uh, but even Drew Fortescue and Eric Polkamp were much better. So that's kind of interesting, too. Seamus Casey and, and Ryan Chesley, not not there. So Sam Renzel, stock rising, I think, in terms of that. And, and he's someone who's really done well in college. Some other names you would expect, Oliver Bonk and Denton Machachuk were very good. Jesse Polkanen is there, too. And then Jake Furlong for Canada one of the best he was great san jose sharks late pick and he's he's looking pretty good so i don't know not not much there just i think especially for defensemen unless they're incredibly dynamic offensively like lane hudson is like i think matecha can be you know axel sending palika they, they need to be pretty good defensively and if they're going to have a pretty good impact and so i think rinzel and furlong are, are names that, that kind of stick out a little bit in terms of stock up a little bit yeah, there's a Norway flag on the right side of the margins here. Stein Solberg, he was really good in this tournament. I'm not sure if if he's got NHL upside, and I'm pretty sure he's not fantasy relevant. But I just tip my hat to his play in, in this tournament. Very impressive. Yeah, definitely. And Matej Prizic, I don't even know how to say his name. And Czechia forward, who's up there as well. And then just to mention one last time, Jesse Polkinen. One of the things that Mitch tracked is total defensive contribution. So this includes shot prevention, intercept passes, and entry denials. He's like well ahead of everyone. It's not even close. Like it's so ridiculous how high Jesse Polkinen is. So again, maybe you know, maybe there's some untapped offense here, but he looks like a really strong defensive player who can play in the NHL. So you love to see that. Light the lamp with DraftKings Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can make a $5 bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code THPN. That's code THPN 
only at DraftKings Sportsbook. All right, let's move on to some other interesting performances. And I wanted to go to Team Sweden, who I don't know that we've talked enough about Team Sweden, but their host nation almost lost in the quarterfinals to Switzerland, but they've had some pretty good performances. And I think one of the surprising ones maybe is Otto Stenberg. Seven points in five games. They had three players so far with seven points in five games. Stenberg, Lekadamaki, and Noah Uslan. But Stenberg is maybe the, the the least notoriety of those three. He was the 25th overall pick by St. Louis in this past draft. I think some people thought that that they reached a little bit on him. He's a 5'11", 172-pound forward, and he's been playing. Well, last year he played a bit in the SHL. He's, he's back in the SHL this year, six points in 22 games. But uh, this this might be his coming out party because he certainly looks a little bit more dynamic and offensive than maybe he's shown so far. Did you get to catch much of Stenberg? Yeah, a little bit. And you remember at the draft when we interviewed and talked to Shane Malloy and he was really high on the St. Louis Blues draft and the players that they selected and Stenberg being one of them. So, yeah, but one of the, I think one of the takes on Stenberg was at the draft that we're going into the draft, at least that will be a question about his offensive upside, perhaps. Right. And what his fantasy value could be, but looked pretty good in this tournament granted i don't i don't get to watch a lot of of the european games just don't have access to it but certainly a player that had a strong tournament and there's a lot of them on sweden that (laughs) a lot of players there that we could talk about that have looked really good this is a a short list of four guys but the shot from jonathan lakaramaki has just been dynamite right like that's an nhl caliber shot right now Noah Oslin's made some some really nifty stick handling moves that have changed my my opinion on him and have, have raised the value for for him for me. And he's going to be hard pressed to crack the the Buffalo roster. They've got pretty decent young roster with a bunch of good prospects. So you know you, you, we've seen teams in the past that have wicked depth of prospects, right? Like Los Angeles a few years ago, Carolina a few years ago, but then just some of them just don't make it right? They can't all play. Some of them advance more. Some of them advance slower. Some of them don't advance at all. And so I'd, I was, I've been kind of thinking that with Buffalo and all their prospects, they've got some A-list wingers, prospects in their forward ranks, right? And then, and then Noah Osland. So I've been kind of dismissing him as like, yeah, he might be good, but he's, I just don't think he's going to cut it with Buffalo. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe I'm wrong on that. I think I need more sample size, but he's looked really good in this tournament. Yeah, I, I really like Oslin. I think he's a, I, I think I was joking in our FHL pool because I took him that he's the best of the Your Gardens trio, which I don't, which is which is kind of a half joke because I, I do think him and Ogren are two of the best. Ogren hasn't really done much offensively, but he's a, he's a strong two-way player and he's more of a connector, whereas I think Oslin is more of a driver. And I think he could be easily... A middle six center, possibly a, a two C, but he does a lot of a lot of things well, and it's not surprising to me is that the points are coming, but he might end up being just more of a depth player because, as you mentioned, all the all the skill on Buffalo. I did want to mention also that, yes, St. Louis took Otto Stenberg. They also took Theo Lindstein, who you know is a, a with their other another one of their first round picks, the 29th yeah. overall. And he's a six foot 185 pound left left handed D. 
he is like he's been playing mostly in the hockey Elspenson this year. That's where his team Brynus is, but he's been incredible and he's made some really strong plays. And they, they have some other high profile D, you know, Havilid and Axel Sandin Pelika. They have Elias Solomonson. They have the other Elias Pedersen. They have a lot of strong D, and Lidstein has really stuck out, stood out as one of the best players on that team. So, again, just another. And I think when we talked to Shane, he, he mentioned him too. Like, just they, they picked players who are just really good, like strong, actual real life players. May not have the most fantasy upside, but if he's going to be playing NHL minutes on a, you know, maybe a second pairing, then that's going to have value. Well, that's just it. And that's what he was alluding to. That like, obviously, when you're picking fantasy players, you want guys who are going to score a lot, right? But you have to also consider guys who are going to play a lot and who are very reliable, projectable NHL players. They might not have 80 point ceilings in their future, but when they play 10 years and have 10 60 point seasons, there's value in that. Right. They're they're there for a long time. And a good time, but a long time. And you're fairly certain that that they'll make it. There's no certainty with prospects. They're all green bananas. You never know what you're getting. But you know, you have got other other players who have higher offensive profiles, but there's other aspects of their game that might not see them through to the NHL. And they might just be really good career minor league players. So the three players that St. Louis picked in the first round last year are all players that Shane feels really strongly that they'll they'll make it. Yeah, and and I just wanted to touch on you mentioned Lekaramaki, and yeah. yeah, the the shot is definitely there. I think there there's no question about that, and I think you know he has been scoring. People are talking about the revenge tour. He's he's been loaned to a rebro from Jure Gardens because they're still in the hockey of Spelskin, and he has ten goals in twenty four games so far this season he didn't have 10 goals in the previous two seasons in the shl and almost 60 games so you could say a bit of a of a revenge tour but i also think that the thing with lekaramaki is he continues to be very poor away from the puck and if you look at mitch's data he's one of the worst forwards defensively and you know i know we don't want to care about that but i'm still worried about him and how and how an nhl coach is going to view him because if he frustrates the coach and doesn't, you know, work away from the puck, he may not get the opportunities, you know, and he may just end up being, you know, a guy who's a good shot, play third line minutes, maybe top power play, maybe healthy scratch. You know, he may be on that borderline and that's super frustrating. So I don't have any shares of Lekaramaki and I'm not going to go acquire any because of that. And I might get burned and I hope he does succeed. I hope he figures that part out. But I think that that's a bit of the concern. It reminds me a little bit of Alex Holtz. You know, Alex Holtz, who is, is kind of, you know, working out a little bit uh, in in uh, New Jersey. But that's always been his issue is that he doesn't really do much away from the puck. So what does he bring to the table unless he's standing on the dot shooting pucks on the, on the power play? Yeah, it's a conundrum. It's even more pronounced with with defensemen, right? That you have offensive defensemen. And if they're not very good defensively, their primary job is is defense. It's the, the name of their position. So you got guys like Ryan Merkley and you watch him live in junior and he just torches the other team to the tune of two or three points a game on a regular basis. It's impossible to, to not be wowed by his offensive vision and his puck skills and his control and his ability to, to create offense. But then there's the other side of the puck and 
he's just totally indifferent to playing defense or incapable of it. I'm not really sure which one it is, but it's kept him out of the NHL. So as good as his offense's upside is, and as as unbelievable as he would be at generating points for your fantasy league, if he could make the if he could make the NHL, doesn't matter if you're not in the NHL, points aren't aren't counting in fantasy. So last I checked, none of the leagues I play in count KHL stats, which is where Ryan Merkley is playing. Right, exactly so, what I'm saying. Does not matter. And just just to follow up on that that Holtz conversation i pulled up his stats you know so he he does remind me a lot of like um they are both swedish which uh, is not the reason but it is kind of interesting but the big difference here is like alex holtz averaging just under 12 minutes a night if you compare him to someone else who has like a really good shot you know, but plays many more minutes someone like you know well david parsonak i mean that's obviously a, a big jump but someone who's playing six seven eight more minutes a night that's massive that's the difference between being a 35 point player and being, you know, a 60, 70 point player. And unless Alex Holtz brings his two way game, you know, even farther along, he's not going to get to 15, 16, 17, 18 minutes a night. It's not going to happen. So that's the concern that I have with Lekar Maki too. And why I'm sure Alex Holtz is a, is a frustrating player to roster right now because he's got 63 games, NHL games under his belt, and he's getting minimal power play time and minimal even strength deployment and i don't think that's just because new jersey is a really good team all right so anything else on sweden or should we move on to finland because we we're going to talk about the Finns a little bit bring on the Finns. those pesky pesky Finns, right they always mm. it seems like every tournament you, we say it all the time you can't count out finland and it's true They're, they they looked so awful in that game against germany and then and then they then they beat slovakia and they they had some other good wins in there too didn't they Beat Sweden? They beat Sweden, didn't they? Or am I imagining that? Oh, all the games are blending together. I have to check. <laughs> Pretty sure. Yeah, I think. Did. Yeah, no, they did. They did. They won in yeah. the shootout. Or I think yeah, it was, they, wasn't they, it? They won in yeah. the shootout. Yeah. In yeah. in fin- in Sweden. That's right. That's right. So you go from losing to Germany to beating Sweden in the shootout, and then beating Slovakia. So you know, there's they have a they have a lot of drafted players. I think Nicholas Coco has been maybe a little bit disappointing, but he won that game against Slovakia. So hey. Uh, oh, that's all that matters that you win and he's a seattle draft pick that's an interesting one we talked about newman already we talked about manisto i think one of the guys we have to talk two guys we have to talk about maybe three guys lenny hemanajo is a is kind of a strong two-way forward he's a devil's prospect but casper haltonen is probably one of the the biggest names and and probably their best scoring threat and he plays out there in the ohl by you pete he was san jose draft pick just last, just this past season, 36 overall, has a monster of a shot, six foot three, 203 pound right wing. He's also really young, July 7th birthday. And he came over from Finland to play in the OHL this season, 31 points in 28 games so far in for the London Knights, and six points in five games so far in the tournament, three goals, three assists, and just a massive shot and a, and a big dude. I think he leverages his size pretty well. So I don't know. I, and, and some of the tracking data that I looked at, he looked pretty good. Not amazing. He isn't like near the top, but he isn't like near the bottom either. So definitely one of the one of the stronger forwards. So he's he's really impressed me. And before I throw it to you, just wanted to mention the other guy who I think is really interesting is Yeri Lasilla. Lasilla? I'm not sure how to say his name, but he's their captain. He's 5'10", 176-pound center. 
He's um, going to be 20 in March. He's been passed over a couple times in the draft. I think he might get drafted this year because he's been awesome for Team Finland. Seven points in five games, including, I believe, the overtime winner today. Um, and yeah, he's playing for JYP. Yep, 11 points in 27 games in the league. Yeah, just just kind of an all-around you know, kind of guy. Hasn't put up a ton of points, but he seems like a strong two-way player. I asked a couple of my, my, my Finnish guys that, that listen the, that are in the fantasy hockey life discord and that's basically a lot of what they talked about is that he's you know maybe not the highest offensive guy but he has some good creativity some strong two-way play and he's just a gamer you know he's just a guy who seems like he can leverage leverage it so we'll let to see about that but will you have any thoughts on these finished forwards yeah they're two of the more impressive players that have stood out for finland for me then i kind of got a soft spot for the Finns. i'm not sure why but I do. Lasselas has been great. And kind of like what I was saying about rising to the occasion on the tournament. He's an older player, as you mentioned, but you know, he's he's been their their captain in pretty much every sense of of the term. He's their offensive leader. And you know, when the chips are down, he seems to rise to the occasion. When the stakes are high, he he becomes more noticeable. And Halton has, has been noticeable as well. Like you said, he's he's got the size. He's a force near the net. I haven't seen that much of him in the OHL this year because London's in the West and I'm in the in the East. So I haven't been through and I only play once in the whole season in Kingston. So that's a bit of a drag, but I'll be sure to make it to the London game when they come through. And there's a lot of players in London to watch and, and he'll be high on my list too. Maybe we'll do a podcast. I test versus the the fancy stats again for when London comes through. But it's yeah, a that's a date. Right. Yeah, I know Finland, they're, they're an enigmatic team. You know, it's not in their just recent history. They've got gold medals and they've been fighting to stave off relegation in recent memory. They've had pretty unmemorable tournaments and pretty spectacular showings. I just, their, their entertainment value is always high for good reasons or bad reasons. The goalie, Coco, Cuckoo Coco, not sure how, which way you pronounce it. Every time I watch them play, I, I, I watch him, I'm, I'm seeing things. I'm not a very good goalie scout, but I'm seeing things that, that really make me cringe. And I, I, you know, I like Seattle's prospect pool. I like their scouts and I think they do a really fantastic job of scouting. And I've only, I've only watched them play three or four times in this tournament. That's my, that's my sample size. So it's pretty small and I'm sure theirs is significantly larger, but I have concerns. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> and I just wanted to mention, give a little shout out Team Latvia. I mean, they were severely outgunned, especially against the Americans, the only quarterfinal that was a bit of a blowout, but they had some strong performance. Dan's Luck Melish, he's a Boston prospect, and Sandis Vilmanis. Both of them did really well. They led their team. The two drafted players led their team five points and four points, respectively. And, you know, they, they did the best they could. I, would I guess I would say I would caution against getting too excited about either of these guys because I don't think that either one of them has much fantasy upside. But if you're in a deep enough league, I think either of them could play like a bottom six role. And if that's valuable, then sure. Especially Lock Mellish. Well, actually, both these guys had pretty strong primary expected points. Not as much as like the top forwards in the tournament, but um pretty decent for their team. And then the and then I guess uh, I'll just also mention really quickly about Germany. 
I mean, Germany, I, I have to say I was a little disappointed with Julian Lutz. Uh, he's one of the the drafted players from this team. He's the Arizona draft pick. I was a little impressed, though, with the Kevin Bicker, who's a Detroit prospect. He, by the eye test anyways, looked a lot better. And, and some of the tracking data, they actually both look kind of similar. But Bicker, uh, he's a 6'1", 176-pound forward. He's in the DEL. He has one goal in 24 games so i don't know that he'll be a big scorer but he had a couple points in four games for germany i don't think any of these guys correct me if you think otherwise Pete, are anyone that you should run out and grab but they're names that are interesting and if for some reason you have them on your team and somebody wants them i would certainly trade them yeah there's a reason why they're undrafted or late drafted or have very low fantasy roster ship numbers on fan tracks and they have a, a sweetheart of a tournament like this. They're it's endearing to cheer for these players that are standout players on bottom feeder teams, and they've got like very little support around them. So you watch a Latvia game, and it's it's Lachmelis this and Vilmanis that. That's the only names that the announcers are really talking about, and they're driving the play for the offense. And they look like stars, but they're not. They're just the best player on a bad team, and it's really easy to to get excited about them and overvalue them and fantasy and then acquire them either by trade or, or free agent or draft stash them on your prospect roster and burn two or three years waiting for them to show up and they never do i'm speaking from experience i've i i'm a repeat offender of this so i should heed my own advice so yeah a, a cautionary tale there that it's a small sample size in a small tournament and good players on bad teams are not great players and only the great make it to the nhl I mean, I'm in a league with Mason Black. We have 32 teams, 30 deep rosters. Guys like this are sort of interesting because anyone who gets a sniff of the NHL, but the reality is I agree with you. It's it's probably not going to amount to much because even if they get there and, and are, are playing, you know, eight minutes a night, it's not, it's not really going to do much. So yeah, in general, it's it's good to just remember and put in context, even some of these top performances, you know, from some of the players that we mentioned, might still only mean they they become a third line NHLer, you know. So that's important to to kind of keep in mind. The best value you could probably get out of players like this is, you know, if they make a team like this as a 17-year-old and have a good tournament and then maybe get drafted in like the 7th round and then when they're 19 and 20 playing for these countries are are excellent in the tournament, that's a really great time to trade them. I think that's your 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 best value is to find someone who watched the tournament and fell in love with Buck Malice or 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 Vilmanis and and trade them for a draft pick that's better than what you spent to get them uh, and just increase your your value that way. I think anyway. Yep, definitely. I mean, for the most part, a lot of these forwards who or a lot of these players who you know if they come to this tournament and raise their stock significantly. Most of them don't go from nobodies to becoming NHL stars. I mean, it just rarely happens, right? So, right. But now that I've said that, you can pretty much pencil in Don's Luck Mellis for Calder Trophy next year. <laughs> that would be incredible. And I'm sure his family <laughs> and he would be grateful for that. <laughs> That's is that DPR show karma? <laughs> <laughs> it must be. <laughs> we'll see if it happens. Yeah. Well, either way, it's been awesome to watch the tournament and we still have a few more games to go. We got the, we get, to see Germany Norway relegation and then we get to see yeah the Americans I believe they're going against the Finns 
And then, yeah, and then we got uh, Sweden against Czechia. So that's going to be fun, and we'll see if Sweden can hold on and, and win gold on their on their home country. It's going to be fun. And yeah, definitely enjoyable tournament. It's been fun chatting about it with you, Pete. Yeah, yeah. There's lots more good stuff coming down the calendar here as well. We've got the um, trade deadlines coming up. So we'll see a bunch of the players that are in this tournament in the CHL get get relocated or redistributed to other teams and, and load up for a nice playoff and run and potential show at the Memorial Cup. We got the top prospects game coming up later on this month. We got the Bean Pot tournament between you know all the the new england teams with boston college and bu being powerhouses this year that should be a really interesting tournament to watch and i hope i can find a way to get my eyeballs on some of those games up here in canada yeah so lots of good things coming it doesn't end at the world juniors and then there's the draft we've got some some great draft content i'm sure coming up we could start doing our fantasy rankings of the entry draft and the Dauber Prospects mid-season guides coming out. So lots of things happening. Oh, yeah. I just submitted my players for the mid-season report. So definitely go check that out. And uh, there's some good players who might be coming to reinforce your fantasy teams for this this season. Yeah, I'm working on my lists as well. The risers and followers from the draft last year, 23 in Nashville, and then doing some fantasy rankings for this draft as well. It's the 24 draft prospects. So if you're if you're tanking, you might want to consider getting the midseason guide because there'll be some juicy chestnuts in there for what you can look for from the draft, players you can target, players who are close. And if you're winning, you certainly want to get it because you want to close that out. Well, that's pretty much it for today's episode, episode 39. Thanks everyone for listening again. Always appreciate having you on the show. And we, we wouldn't do it if people didn't listen. So thanks for listening. If you want to contribute to the show with some listener questions or whatnot, you can reach out to us. You can find us on X at DPR show, DPR underscore show. Victor is at Victor Nuno 12, easy peasy. Mine is at Farling, P-H-A-R-L-I-N-G. And Evan, our producer, who is on assignment, taking photographs from the glass in San Jose, getting some, some really nice pictures. Won't work for our podcast, but... I'm sure he'll share them. So you can follow him on Twitter at Sabarin91. Don't forget to follow HockeyPodNet, THPN. Lots of great podcasts on there to satisfy your cravings for hockey talk since we only do one show a week. And thanks for listening. Subscribe to the show, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you do. And drop those reviews. Share the episodes on Twitter. Spread the good word, everyone. Thanks very much. And we'll, we'll talk to you on the next report. Well, I'm sure we'll do a little post-World Junior wrap-up and talk about some, some players on the move, I'm sure. Until then, keep those sticks on the ice. What we do in life echoes in eternity. We're going streaky! Yeah! Let's do that hockey. Hockey.